And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're tuned in to Tapped Out. Hosted by Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine. Only on the BetQL Network. That bell means it's time for round two here of Tapped Out on the BetQL Network. Tobin in Miami, Sean Levine in Kansas City. Jake is in Philly. And you joining us for the next hour here on the BetQL Network. Coming up in a couple of minutes. We're going to try something fun. We're going to call it Head of the Class. There's so many different weight classes and so many debates. Who's the greatest of all time? Brendan and I will debate that coming up here. Jake's going to give us our options in a few minutes. But before that, coming up next Saturday night, UFC 47. At the top of the card, Jack Hermanson versus Sean Strickland. This is one of those that no matter what card it's on, whether it's a fight night or whether it's a pay-per-view, it's got fight of the night written all over it. Yeah, it's a it's a fun matchup. Sean Strickland's a little bit crazy. Hermanson's a little bit more well mannered, and so it's like a clash of personalities, clash of styles. But Strickland's look like I mean, he's looking absolutely incredible since going to middleweight. I mean, he's he's on a win streak. All of his losses are only at welterweight, so he's definitely found this home at 185. And then Hermanson, I mean, it wasn't that long ago we were talking about him at being right there as one of the top guys in this division. He's kind of gone back and forth the last couple of matchups, so. I think this is a big one for him really to see like, all right, is he going to get his career back on track to go towards that up trajectory of fighting for the belt or is Strickland going to take that? So it's not, it's not really a, I would call it a number one contender matchup, but maybe it's a next contender matchup. Like who's really going to be putting themselves in that conversation. With all the fighter pay conversation at top of the mind, when it comes to UFC and Dana White and Jake Paul right now, did you happen to catch Sean Strickland's own version of Cribs BT earlier this week? Because I did not. He, yo, dude, he filmed him. So I've had some bad apartments. I'm talking about rat infested. I'm talking about frozen pipes. I'm talking about landlords that don't pick up calls. And my places all look like mansions compared to Sean Strickland's version of Cribs. You have to check it out. It's incredible because, again, nobody is going to deny. Like, did you see the money supposedly that Francis Ngannou made from that fight? We're talking about the heavyweight champion of the world. I mean, they disclosed six hundred thousand. That's what they. That's what they said. Yeah, if that's the money that they're talking about, and then your other thought is, you know, maybe I could like convince Tyson Fury in a promotion to get in a boxing ring and make, you know, ten million dollars. At some point, it feels like this isn't just going to be a conversation. And Dana White, who has never been forced to cave since he's been at the top of the promotion, is about to be forced to cave. That's kind of how it feels. I don't know. I mean, like we've seen these things before where fighters have had, remember that, that weird union that Cerrone was in and GSP was in that lasted for like three seconds. Like, I feel like he has been fighting this off for a while. I think the only thing that has been the difference is he has a, a, a loud mouth, like Jake Paul kind of going at him and calling him out on this. But honestly, like does Jake Paul, like I know Jake Paul this week bought like stock and endeavor. And he's like, I'm going to try the fighters union now. Like, this stuff is all not that new. I think the thing that is interesting, though, that changes it is Francis being willing to ride it out. That we haven't seen. And a guy that really could just still be there because you're basically just letting a, a, a quote-unquote star walk out the door. I'm curious to know what the numbers were for his fight against Gone. Like, Because if the UFC said, well, his pay-per-view bombed, nobody wanted it, um, then they're going to say, well, why would we pay this guy tens of millions of dollars if, he can't, if we can't get return on our investment? It is very interesting, especially if Jake Paul was ever to actually step into that UFC octagon. Yeah, he's going to get pay-per-view points, of course, but what's he going to get off the top? He's got to get more than that Nganu money that we're talking about. We're talking about a guy that has a big-ass bank account. Another fight in UFC 47 next Saturday night, smiling Sam Alvey taking on 
Phil Hawes. This is another one of those fights where I don't know who's going to win, but I know it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, and Phil Hawes is kind of like one of those super, you know, guys that they really have high hopes for being a, a top prospect, and and he got KO'd to a lot of people surprised by Chris Curtis the last time around. So, you know, he's really looking to uh, to get things back on track. Alvy's kind of been in there with everybody. He's just one of those veterans who is tough to put away, no doubt. Like, you know, you may think that you have him early, and then all of a sudden he's still sitting around there with that creepy smile that he's got. So, uh, <laughs> I'm 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 definitely interested in that fight though because. I think for Hawes, if he does lose this fight, uh, he becomes one of those guys that was thought of as kind of a hot prospect, and then all of a sudden you're kind of back at the drawing board. You bring up the name Chris Curtis. It brings a smile to my face. I had him by knockout in that fight. Back-to-back, in fact, tickets I've cashed on Chris Curtis by knockout. That's my guy. Some other fights on that card. A battle takes on Gore. Maximov is fighting uh, Soriano in that fight. So there's a couple of good ones. Um Let's go ahead and try this with head of the class because I feel like you and I, including earlier today, so let's just take people behind the curtain. We're literally texting about what we're going to do for the radio show, different segments, right? And I'm saying, hey, let's try this. You know, let's talk about who's the best in every particular weight class. And I said, for example, if we talk about, you know, a light heavyweight, is it John Jones or is it Daniel Cormier? And I got absolutely shot down. You said, does anybody actually think the answer is Daniel Cormier? And my rebuttal was, well, does anybody think that Sammy Sosa is a better home run hitter than Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? You get my drift? One guy's clean. One guy's not. I'll take DC. So let's go ahead and start oh right God. there. Who's well, head of the class when it comes to lightweight champions? Okay. Well, first of all, I just want to reach to the screen and pinch your cheeks because you're adorable. Because <laughs> he's not better than John Jones. I mean, In yes. In the words like, of Daniel Cormier, don't touch my face, Brendan. Don't touch look, my face. Look. DC is great, and it, and you know it's noble. He is uh, what is uh, Colby Covington called him, the Natty Goat? Like he is the guy we know is natural, and he's the best to ever do it that way. That's great and all. Uh, I I really, but I I can't help and see what I saw. John Jones is the best to do it. He's done it over eras, and even if you, it's like it's like Barry Bonds not being in the Hall of Fame. You could just take pre steroids Barry Bonds with his 300, 300 and three MVPs, like. I don't know when John, when was doing, wasn't doing, but he, I know that John Jones was wrecking roughshod over a lot of great fighters back at light heavyweight when they were juiced out of their minds. Vitor Belfort on his arm like a pork chop, and he still came back and won that fight. So we can talk about that rivalry. That's a great story and all that type of stuff. But John Jones has an era even before that rivalry that was impressive. So I don't even think it's a contest. Jake, this guy keeps pinching my cheeks like my grandmother. Take it away. Yeah, so I, I, well, I, first off, I think I have to agree with him. John Jones is the greatest fighter, I think, in my lifetime. We'll see here towards the end of his career what happens as he goes to heavyweight. I think I might like Nganu or Miosic in that fight. But speaking of those two guys, we'll go up a weight class to heavyweight. Head of the class, Francis Nganu, Stipe Miosic, or a guy who was never in the UFC, Fedor Emelianenko. Wow. Hmm. Wow. Got? I'm not going to go Francis. I'm not going to go Francis too soon. Have seen him. I mean, like, because it, it, it's been great, but man, and Stipe's lost to Francis. I feel like it's silly. To, I'm going to go with Fedor. I'm going to go with the mythology that is what? Fedor. Yeah. Wow. You want to know something? I'm going Fedor. It's, it, it, I know that all the Russian stuff, people say his fights back in Japan were fixed. Perhaps they were. I can't, <laughs> I can't shoot down what the Russians were doing. Maybe that was the case. But dude has mythology like none other. Like Fedor is one of those guys like actually got me into fighting. And I feel like that 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 stands for something. 
fighting's naturally going to get better as we go. But you don't want to know something? Even in the class, there still has to be a grand poobah, a wizard, if you will, that kind of just sits over there. Because they may be smarter with their new finagle technology, but there's still a guy that has that old wisdom, and that's Fedor. Yeah, you can keep playing with your Fedor toys next to your Pee Wee Herman doll and all that stuff. You're nuts. You're talking about a guy that didn't fight in the UFC octagon, and you're going to say that he's the greatest heavyweight of all time? It's too early to say the name Francis Ngannou, but there's an actual right answer to this question, and it's Stipe Miocic. Not only is he the greatest heavyweight, he's one of the most underrated fighters of all time. You're right. When it comes to head-to-head, we saw what happened with him and Francis. What about head-to-head against a bunch of other dudes? And let me ask you this, Brendan. In their prime, whenever that was for Fedor, and a prime Stipe Miocic, let's call it three years ago, I think Stipe wins that fight by knockout. I don't know. I mean, like, Francis, I mean, uh, Fedor knocks people out, man. Like, that's what he does. You know, I would think, like, if you were going to tell me about these guys back in the day who could, like, submit him and things like that. Now, look, he's still old as hell. He got knocked out by Ryan Bader pretty recently. Like, but he's still, he's still just got that old G mentality, just like hairy belly, Never looks like he's taking a protein shake in his life. I'd, in any matchup, even if he went up against Francis, I still think I'd be like, maybe Fedor can get it done. I'd never rule him out. Yeah, Fedor, to me, seems like almost like an MMA version of Bo Jackson with like some of the records and things that he's done for you know the mythology, as you guys speak of with him. Um, interesting, interesting decisions. I think probably Miosic is the safe, safest answer. We'll keep moving along here. We'll move down to middleweight now, and uh, a group of another great group of three with Adesanya, GSP, or Anderson Silva, middleweight. Who's the head of the class? Um, look, I know that uh, I know that they've fought at a very late time in Anderson Silva's career, but Anderson Silva, even with the juice, you may be horrified, Sean. To me is one of the guys on the Mount Rushmore. Like, this guy revolutionized the sport with the way that he takes people out. Everything that Adesanya is doing is just copycat stuff. And Anderson Silva just has, like, such a, a mystique about him. I'm not, I'm not letting some newcomer come in here because he does cool intros to the ring. Nothing is going to be like throwing DMX when the lights go out and, and, and the goosies that you get when the spider walks to the, uh, walks to the cage. That, to me, is head of the class. Not even a question. So you were way off on Fedor. You're spot on on this one. I don't think that we've seen enough of Izzy yet to say that he's better than Silva, even though we've seen them fight to the point that you made. Izzy in his prime, a young guy. But I will say this. What's the closest thing going right now to the spider? It's Israel Adesanya. You could say he's a reincarnation of what Anderson Silva was in his prime. Dare I say, maybe even a better striker when he's on. So maybe at some point the answer will be Israel Adesanya, but I think you got this one right. I mean, look, if you're making a Mount Rushmore of MMA, you're probably going to throw Fedor on there because you're nuts. But I know one guy that's definitely going to be on there, and it's Anderson Silva. You got that one right. Fair enough. That was my, I think that's a clean sweep there. Anderson Silva, by far one of the coolest strikers uh, in terms of just how he got things done, as you said, BT. Only three more to go here, guys. We'll move on to welterweight, and this one I think does have a pretty clear, concise answer. We'll go with Matt Hughes, GSP again, or the current champion, Kamaru Usman. Who you got? Oh, man. See, 
I think you're right. Like I think the I think saying anybody other than GSP is a bit blasphemous. But to where I like I don't think Izzy. I think it's gonna take a while for Izzy to catch up to Anderson. I don't think Kamara is that far away. Like I think that when I when I see what this guy's doing in his career, I genuinely think that he can get there. I'm not ready to put him there yet. I'm still gonna have GSP atop, and I feel like a, I do feel a little bit like an old man with the way I'm going with my picks here today. I'm still going GSP, but I definitely think that Kamara's. Uh, I think Kamara's got uh, looking down the barrel, and he's uh, he could possibly get there. Well, listen, old man. Back in my day, there was this guy that was named Matt Hughes. Okay, oh, and he defended his title a couple of times. In fact, he's been to a couple of my favorite fights of all time. GSP and Usman. There's a real argument, and here's what I want to ask you in rebuttal: Which guys cleared out the division more? I think the answer, even though he's still in the middle of it, is Usman. Who has he not beat that you've wanted to see him beat? Um, man, nobody right now. I mean, let's do like, do you think the only top guy that he probably hasn't faced yet is Luke? Like, it's pretty crazy. He's going to, and he's going to fight Leon now for the second time. I'm not even that interested in seeing what him if that's, versus Leon. Exactly. So if that's the answer to the question, Jake, if we're talking Leon and Luke and that's left, and then he's got to move up to fight Jan Blahovic or Israel Ansanya, like, I think the answer, and I can't believe I'm saying this, even better than GSP, even though he's still going, I think it's Usman at the head of the class. That was my clear answer, was Kamaru Usman. Because let me tell you what, he is going to do just that. He's going to clear out the division. And I think the most common fight, or the, or the fight that makes the most sense, would be for him to move up and take on Israel Adesanya. I know he had mentioned he's going to move up two weight classes. I think if he were to move up and take on Adesanya, he would steamroll him. We can talk about that a different day. But uh, we're running out of time here, so we're going to actually end on this one. And we're going to go to the featherweight division Three guys who are still in the uh, UFC today. Jose Aldo, Conor McGregor, or Max Holloway. Head of the class for featherweight. Who you got? Uh, Conor McGregor, because he's beaten both of these guys. He knocked one of them out in 13 seconds. One of the greatest title runs that we've ever seen. That run to the title when he finally, exclamation point, knocked out Jose Aldo, Aldo in 13 seconds. Then went on to another weight class to go win another belt, only simultaneous, uh, first simultaneous champion, and then took it to boxing, revolutionized the sport, got it sold for four billion. Like he's definitely the best featherweight champion of all time. I don't care about title defenses. I, you know, when when it comes to something like that, uh, he put a put a rocket pack to his back, and you know, just dusted the entire division. If you're ever going to be head of the class, say valedictorian, you have to pay attention to the teacher. What Jake asked is, <laughs> who's the best featherweight champion? Not who made the most money, not who sold the most liquor, not who fought Conor McGregor. So let me correct you, my friend down there in Miami. Conor's third out of these three. Oh we can argue God. if it's Aldo. We can argue if it's Max. But the answer is one of those two guys. When it comes to Conor McGregor, I think he's done more for the promotion than anybody. But when it comes to the best featherweight fighter of all time, I'll take Max. Or I'll take Aldo. You ever hear about graduating with honors? Place. He skipped. He, he doesn't need to take the class over again. <laughs> well, you do because you're wrong. He's down in Miami. That's Brendan Tobin. Sean Levine here in Kansas City. That was fun. Head of the class presented by our teacher, Jake Galley in Philly. Coming up next, if we didn't fight enough, I guarantee you we're going to fight next. It's literally the name of the segment. Are you going to fight me? Right here. Tapped out on the Bet QL Network.